Welcome to the Keeper Saul Texas podcast. My name is Michael Roth. I am the storyteller here at Keeper Saul. It's been a little while since I've had a podcast. The world changed when we were making our last podcast. Uh, so right now, what's great is we are in Texas Wine Month. We're in October of 2020. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to give you some avenues to take, whether you're going to go listen to some other podcasts that are here in Texas to figure out some of the latest news and exciting things happening in the state of Texas. We also have a lot of amazing local vineyards right here in East Texas. You know, if you come to keep, visit Keepersall, plan to maybe stay at our bed and breakfast or stay here locally. Go visit some of these other locally owned vineyards because the reality is we have uh, some amazing wines right here. I've got Shelly from the Texas Wine Pod. Uh, we've also got Ron Martin uh, coming back and he actually took me around to some of the Piney Woods Wine Trail wines. We were able to try some of the best East Texas wines. We were treated like family, treated with a high level of professionalism. Really excited to get into this episode. As I mentioned, it is Texas Wine Month, and so uh, we're fortunate enough to have Shelly Wilfong uh, join us on the podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast, Shelly. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You have a Texas Wine Podcast. What's so special about Texas wines that you had the desire to create a podcast? Well, I think Texas wines are very special. And in fact, I've been writing about Texas wine for a few years. I write primarily for Texas Wine Lover website. As much fun as writing is, sometimes I just want to talk about wine too. Because of this pandemic, I haven't been able to talk about wine face to face with as many people as I'm used to. I thought that I would seek out kind of what podcasts were out there. I'm a big podcast listener in general. So I thought, I wonder what kind of Texas wine podcasts are out there. Now, Texas Wine Lover used to have a podcast about Texas wine, but it was no longer around. It ran for several years, but closed down a couple of years ago. I found the Keeper Saw podcast, and so I listened through those. And there were a few podcasts that had a few episodes about Texas wine, but there was nothing that was just an ongoing podcast that was about current events in Texas wine, that reviewed Texas wine. And so I thought that there was just a, a need for people to be able to learn more about Texas wine, the issues facing the industry, and just to kind of um, get excited about it and, and find out what, what there is to know about the issues facing the industry and just to generate some excitement because I think Texas wine is worth talking about and forming community around. You know, just the fact that we have uh, so much rich history, you know, the oldest documented vineyard uh, in North America is actually in El Paso. I'm sure you're aware of that, but it's just, that's a fascinating fact that, you know, if you talk to people from California or other parts of the country, they really have no concept that, that Texas has some of the oldest history as far as vineyards are concerned. There were a couple of stories that I was interested in telling and um, some things, some stories that were kind of burning a hole in my pocket. And it's actually kind of hard to find a readership through blogging or through writing. I had pitched some stories to some different publications and it was hard to get kind of traction on some, some stories in that regard. So I thought, I'm going to write these things and I'm going to put them on a podcast and we'll just see what happens. And so that's been a fun journey. I launched the podcast in June and it's taken off. It's been my quarantine project, but, but so much more. It's definitely kept me busy. So as far as quarantine is concerned, how are other Texas vineyards and wineries handling uh, the shutdowns, the 
open ups, the shutdowns again, you know, how's everybody doing based on your, your perspective? Well, it's definitely been a challenging time and different size wineries and are handling things differently. I mean, some have just kind of shut down and been relying on curbside and customers to um, just pick up curbside. Some have been able to open because they've been able to offer some different food and that has given them more flexibility. Some that aren't able to offer food have just been in a situation where they're just have been waiting for the governor's declaration that just happened now October 14th. They're finally able to open back up at least at 50% inside and they're able to open up totally outside. Except in certain counties, Dallas and, and Harris County are still not able to open back up, although there aren't so many wineries in those counties, although there are some. It's been a mixed bag. It's a very challenging time for wineries. The good side is I think a lot of people are really starting to understand the importance of drinking local. So we, we try to think about knowing where your food comes from, but I encourage people to also understand who makes your wine and where do, where do those grapes grow? It's important to know. Um, I think there's so much pride in a lot of products from Texas and wine shouldn't be any different. I agree with that, you know, hundred percent. I think that there's so much opportunity uh, for people to get more educated and understand not only is there something probably fun to do to go do wine tastings at a vineyard or winery but the fact that you can meet the potentially meet the grower meet the winemaker figure out where the grapes came from and you know not to mention the texas wine industry is growing i know that uh, we're we're a the wine texas wine industry is such a significant portion of the annual revenue through tax dollars, you know, that are coming through the state. And so I know that it's, it's definitely a benefit for people to not only understand that, you know, aspect and just the, the amount of revenue and, and uh, growth that's happening in Texas, you know, with all of West Texas converting from cotton fields over to vineyards. I think it's just, it's a huge awakening, if you want to call it that, of, of people realizing that there's so much more to Texas than just our pastime staples, which, you know, of course we have our, our great barbecue, but the reality is if you can find a really good vineyard or find a vineyard to go visit and do some tastings, you're probably going to find some really good food really close by. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a great tourist spot or tourism uh, opportunity. Even if you live in this state, you know, there's, um, I think the last statistic uh, I saw was we were around 350 active wineries, at least pre-COVID. So I don't know if that's still the case, but I know that we have quite a few, you know, and when we started, we were the 35th bonded and licensed winery in the state of Texas, you know, so there wasn't very many uh, vineyards and wineries at that time. And so over the last 20 years, we've seen a lot of growth happen. The articles that I write are generally found at uh, txwinelover.com. That's the Texas Wine Lover website. And Jeff Cope runs that site. That's the best place to get news and information about Texas wineries and vineyards, where I um, am most often published. And the podcast you can find really anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's on Apple Podcasts, on um, you know Spotify, and all the other players that um, you get podcast on it's called this is texas wine as far as the length of of the average podcast is this kind of a good commuter listen or is this something that you kind of play in the background maybe while you're at home hanging out what they range in length from maybe 30 minutes to an hour kind of depending on who my guest is some of the earlier shows i didn't actually have a guest and they were more educational i did one on mm. texas wine in 10 minutes so it's kind of in a, a shorter version and it's just educational so it's a brief version. What do you need to know about Texas wine? How many AVAs are there? What varieties does Texas do best? What's the history of wine in the state? 
So you can do that faster, obviously. But the format is basically that I start out with the news of Texas wine. So what wineries are making news, current news? So lately it's been about the pandemic and it's been about, you know, there's a, a winery merger. There's information about new tasting rooms opening, that kind of thing. And then we move into if I have an interview or just a hot topic. The last one I did was about October's Texas Wine Month and here are ways that you can celebrate it. So I talked about different things going on across the state that are different and innovative. The history of Texas Wine Month, it started in 1999. So it wasn't the first wine month in the nation that belonged to Virginia, but we did beat California. So we've got to celebrate that success. So just, <laughs> you know, different fun facts. I do a lot of research to prepare for, for these. So um, it's fun to gather these facts. Um, this month, I'm the one that releases this week. I'm talking with Jessica Dufuy about a book that she's written about uh, the wines from Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado. But I'm also reviewing a book about wine in the White House. So how our presidents throughout history have served wine in the White House. And I look for where does Texas wine fit into this? What Texas wines have been served in the White House? And how have the presidents from Texas served wine? Are they drinkers? Are they not? How have they promoted Texas wines or have they? It, um, kind of scratches the itch I have to research and to share my findings. So it's just, um, it's been fun. And then I like to do a lot of social media and connect with people that way that are into the same things I'm into, basically wine. <laughs> that sounds very fascinating, honestly. Um, yeah, especially with the presidents and who's drinking Texas wines. I think that's, that's definitely a fun, interesting um, tidbit. Of course, I'm also a history buff personally. So I think that'd be fun to uh, listen to that podcast for sure. So yeah, as you mentioned, it is Texas Wine Month. One of our goals here at Keeper Saul is that we always encourage other wineries, other people in Texas to not only try a Texas wine, uh, but try to find one that you're going to like because we have so many different varieties. We have so many different vineyards, uh, some of the same varietals grown all over the state, and you're going to get a different experience from depending on where they're grown and then how the wine's made. And so our goal is to encourage other wineries to create some good wine that the first time people try a Texas wine, that they'll want to come back and try some more, you know, and that's, that's one of our goals. And so with that said, what wines would you recommend right now? And, and we're not here to be biased. What would be the best wines in your opinion right now to go try from Texas to celebrate Texas Wine Month? Well, I think you have to kind of meet people where they are. What is a perfect wine for me to try might be different from someone else. This is an interesting way to approach that I heard at a winery that I visited last week. The person pouring the wine said, when people come in and they're looking for a Cabernet Sauvignon, she said, we do not actually have that wine, but we tell them that our Tanat is our Texas Cabernet Sauvignon because they're looking for a big full-bodied wine. We're, we're telling them to try this. So I think that that is one way that you could approach it. You want a big, you want a big wine, you're gonna like this tonight. Maybe that is kind of one way to do that. I think that's one of the best wines that Texas does, period, is a rosé. And it's still, it's almost 90 degrees today in Dallas. So I'm drinking rosé year round. And I don't know that many people that don't like a rosé and because it's made in so many different styles, if you like a sweeter wine, you can find one with a little bit of RS. I would suggest that you try a rosé and I bet there's something on the spectrum of rosé that you could find that you would like. That's always a winner to me. 
I know that Keepers Hall has some award-winning wines. I'm dying to try your fizzy vit, and I have not been able to find it yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could help me out there. Is it anywhere in Dallas? Uh, so right now, the closest place that, that currently has it on the store shelves is Brookshire's uh, just east of you guys. So if you find a Brookshire's grocery company uh, just east of Dallas, I can't think of the towns. I think there's one in Rockwall, uh, and there's another one south of there. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll put it in the, in the description of this uh, uh, video and or uh, podcast so you guys can go find those locations. But we are working on getting in a couple of locations here in Dallas uh, with our cans. And I know it'd be a lot more convenient if people could, but uh, we're also a day trip away. You know, I know it's, it's maybe true. a little inconvenient, but you know, we're only a two hour drive from Dallas. So if you guys are in the Dallas area, feel free to join us here at Keepers Hall, maybe come in for, uh, we started our tours up again by reservation only. So uh, typically you just give us a call that we're on the days that we're doing tours at the time of this recording is uh, Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, so Fridays at 1 p.m. and Saturdays at 2 and 4 p.m. If you give us a call on the day of, we will reserve you a spot for our uh, public tours. Or if you guys are interested in uh, bringing out some friends and we can, do, we can schedule a private tour, so long as we uh, have uh, availability, we'd be more than happy to schedule that for you guys. That's a great way to come do it. Or you can just come out and do some tastings over at the tasting room uh, because we're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Any chance that you can go to a Texas winery and buy the wines directly from the winery, you're going to help them profit a lot more than uh, from the store shelves. I'm not saying that uh, you can't buy from the store shelves, or in fact, we encourage it, but sometimes it's a little bit nicer to come directly to the winery uh, just because the profit margins end up being a little bit higher for all the Texas wines. So. Right, and it's so important right now. And every winery has a story to tell, and I think that it's... I know that your title is storyteller, but every winery, even if they don't have a storyteller, they have a story to tell. It's important that right now, Texas wineries are telling their stories effectively to any consumer that they come in contact with. Um, hopefully as the consumer is walking through the doors of their winery, but um, any way they're able to, if it's a Facebook Live or any kind of social media, whatever it takes to um, convey what's important to them about their brand and about their wine so that they can build that, that sense of, you know, that we're all family. There was a question on social media the other day about what wine club or what wine would you never give up? And I, I answered and I said, I would never give up this one because I feel like I'm part of their family. And that's what you want to instill in the folks that you um, bring into your brand. When it comes to uh, marketing in general, I take more of a, uh, storyteller approach for sure obviously it's my my title but uh, that became that 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 became a reality because of my ability just to tell our story and i like to make a connection with people honestly and then from there let the wine sell itself you know because the reality is if you make that connection uh, i would say that's 90 95 of the battle right there is just if you can make a connection with that person their perception will change uh whether you have great wine or not you know, if you don't make that connection, they, they will, won't have a desire to, to try it again or try more or even engage more. And so um, that's just a little tidbit. But yeah, I agree. Social media, word of mouth, whatever you can do to get word of mouth, that is the best thing you can do, in my opinion. Yeah, the wine has to be good, but good wine isn't enough. I'll put it that way. I've had plenty of good wine that I don't care about. I don't care about who made it. I don't care about where it's from. I don't care if I ever have it again. It has to, has to go deeper than that. We had a podcast about a year ago with Tony Johnson. He he's a, um, has a company called Speak to Inspire. But anyways, he always said when he was working here, helping us at Keepersall, uh, he used to always say, you know, it's possible for customers to walk in 
Uh, they could have the best meal at a restaurant. They could have the best wine, but they could walk away with a bad experience. That's always stuck with me. You know, it's, it's always, it's just as important to not only have a great product, but to have great service as well. So it's, it's a two-fisted uh, uh, argument. You've got you've to fight for it. What excites you the most about uh, Texas wines right now? Texas is getting a lot of national press attention. I see Texas mentioned in press that I don't think Texas used to be getting the same kind of recognition. So Texas mentioned in national stories and Wine Spectator, Wine Enthusiast, stories about, I mean, I, I read these stories every two weeks when I run down the news. So I have a, a Google alert that alerts me every time Texas wine is mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I can't even talk about all of them or the podcast would be three hours long. There are a lot. It's exciting that Texas is on the radar of all these publications. And so I think more and more consumers are at least aware that Texas is growing grapes and making wine. That's one thing. And there are a lot of great writers here in our state that have to be um, thanked for bringing some of that awareness, but it goes beyond just Texas writers too. This year, the State Fair of Texas was canceled, but the State Fair had several people involved in the Texas wine world put together a case of wine that is available to be purchased. And there are a series of virtual tastings that go along with that case. We put together this case of 12 wines. They're all exceptional wines that I think really reflect some of the best in Texas. We could have put together six cases of exceptional or, or 12 or 100. There's so much great, great, great wine. I think just the quality of the wine in the state is exceptionally better than it's ever been. There's so much innovation not just in what is planted, but um, the types of wine. People are so much more willing to try different varieties that they might not be familiar with. And I think the level of comfort with unfamiliar varieties, you know, we're, we're just getting to a place where people are okay with, oh, I've never actually heard of Morvedra, but okay, what, what is it kind of like? Or tell me, tell me what I might expect when I try it. Is it more like, you know, an Italian variety or is it, and should I expect high tannins like it's not? You know, just get, tell me kind of what it is and I'll try it. I, I like that. I like what winemakers are doing, concrete tanks, and let's try, let's try piquette and let's try, you know, wine and all different types of wine and cans. So, um, and packaging and labeling and um, just uh, all kinds of innovation. And I also like, I tell you, we talked about national media, but what D Magazine did this past month. I don't know if you saw the cover of D Magazine, oh, I haven't but it seen says that. Wow. Texas wine country on the front. And there's a whole cover story and probably 15 pages on the inside. And it, it's mainly about the hill country, but there are also wineries from around the state mentioned. And the whole focus of this article that was put together by um, Eve Hill Angus is innovation and how it's basically, it's not your parents, Texas Hill Country, that there's so much going on that is creative and innovative, and it's a whole new world down there. I mean, I think the Texas wine is cool again, or cool, cool now, if it ever, I don't know, was it before? I don't know. Maybe I wasn't so into it before, but I am now. I think with just all of the, the tourism happening and a lot of people coming from out of state, you know, especially from Louisiana, Oklahoma, um, we get even people from uh, Mississippi and, and um, Arkansas come to uh, our winery here in East Texas 
quite a bit, but I know a lot of them are, are stop here either on the way to Fredericksburg or they'll come on the way back. And so, you know, they're always talking about going down to Fredericksburg and wine country. And, um, you know, there's even some people heading up to the, the um, Texas high plains and, and checking out all the wineries up there. And Ron Martin, I'm going to talk to him in just a little bit, but I know he went up to, to Reddy vineyards. They're doing some really cool things up there. It's pretty exciting just with all of the things I've been hearing as well, just through word of mouth. But anyways, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Anything else you wanted to let us know? Yes, the podcast is This Is Texas Wine, and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on all the socials at Texas Wine Pod. And I can't wait to get out to keep yourself. Believe it or not, just before the pandemic hit at my kids' school auction, we won a trip out to keep on a helicopter. Oh, wow. And we haven't gotten to use it yet because of the pandemic but we're coming in a, in a helicopter. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, we look forward to having you out here and uh, yeah, it'll be nice to, to meet in person and uh, hopefully I'll be able to do your tour for you. So we'll see. I would love that. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Keep going at it. I think it's it's uh, awesome what you're doing and, and I've heard a lot of great things and especially what you've been, some of the conversations I've seen you uh, having on social media, uh, you're definitely very engaged. So. Uh, if you guys have any questions for her or uh, need recommendations, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Just follow her on, on all of the social media uh, or uh, feel free to check out some of our articles on the Texas Wine Lover website. Anyways, thank you so much, Shelly. Uh, we will see you around. All right. Thank you. So we are back with Ron Martin. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing great. Well, it seems like uh, obviously we had you on the podcast previously. Uh, we talked about the Texas Wine Lover website and opportunities to go check that out. Uh, it is Texas Wine Month. What is so exciting about Texas Wine Month for you, Rob? There, there's a lot of ways you can celebrate Texas Wine Month. And for the most part with my wife and I, we, we're celebrating Texas wines most every day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what I would encourage people to do if you haven't, uh, if, if you haven't done so during Texas Wine Month or are several things. Uh, one is go buy good Texas wine wherever you find it. Two, visit a restaurant, uh, ask for Texas wine. You, you'll be shocked how many don't have it, how many do have it, and the ones that don't remind them that, that, that there are great Texas wines they might be missing out on. So I never go into a restaurant that I don't remind them that they probably should have some, <laughs> some on, especially local. There are several good sites that you can uh, you can download in, into your laptop or, or your iPad and that help you sort of find where these good wineries are. So mm. one, I would encourage you to go visit Texas wineries during Texas Wine Month. And if, you, if you're if you not sure how to find them, uh, there are a couple apps that are really good uh, to do so. That uh, Texas Wine Lover has, a, has an app that has uh, an interactive map in it. And I've, I've visited about 118 wineries now, wow. and I've kind of exclusively used that as the tool to find out where the good ones are. Um, Jeff Cope on that site does a really good job of, of, of visiting those and writing blogs, so you, you're going there kind of with an expectation of, of what's to do there. Make sure you're buying Texas wine, because not all bottles, uh, even at some of the wineries, are, are Texas wines. If it says for sale in Texas, probably not a Texas wine. <laughs> if it says American Appalachian, Again, probably not a Texas wine, but if it says something like Texas High Plains, uh, estate wines, uh, you know, from Keepersall Estates, uh, you know you're buying, you know you're buying good Texas wines. Yeah, just to clarify, we are uh, estate grown. We're just not appellated, so we can't put it on the label. However, our grapes are grown 100% on our estate here. Something I mentioned to Shelly earlier on the podcast was uh, 
the idea that if you get an opportunity, go to directly to the winery and buy from the Texas winery uh, that you're closest to, uh, because you'll probably help them out a little bit more with the profits, you know. Uh, uh, and then, of course, they're probably on the store shelf somewhere, so be sure to buy that. If that's closer to you, uh, go buy that on the store shelves from that Texas winery as well. Our strategy is, is, has always been kind of, uh, whether you're looking for a single winery, maybe it's in your backyard like Keepersall is to, to us, literally in our backyard, or you're, you're looking for a day or a weekend uh, adventure. And, uh, you know, we'll do, back in September, we did eight wineries in, in, uh, in two and a half days. So you, you kind of, again, use the resources to find out where these are clustered. East Texas has a very good cluster of, of, of local wines if you, if you know where they are. And it makes a good day, uh, really a good day or two visit when you come down here. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention you can go stay at a bed and breakfast. And a lot of times if you're going to go to a good winery vineyard, you might also find some really good food around too, right? Exactly. I mean, that, that's exactly. kind of what you guys do a lot of times is kind of plan a, a weekend date with you, you and your wife. And Yeah, well, I, we kind of do it. If we're, if we're traveling, uh, say, between here and Houston to visit our kids and there's a winery sign, I, I, I have to convince my wife that that would be a good side trip to make. So we rarely pass, uh, we rarely pass up an opportunity to stop and, and uh, visit those wineries. And I found some really amazing uh, wineries and, and winemakers and small winery owners. Um, it just makes for really good visits. Yeah, absolutely. I had a plan to, to have a couple more podcasts this year. Obviously, world uh, changed kind of overnight. But last February, or rather this February and March of this year, we... Uh, you and I went around and visited a few local East Texas wineries. We wanted people to kind of see how easy it is to kind of use, uh, you know, Texas Wine Lover website and, of course, some other the tools that you're talking about that you're able to find some local wines and you can go visit. So we actually went to uh, all of these different uh, wineries right here in our own backyard, right here in East Texas, that you guys can go visit too. You just got to check out what their website or uh, information on when you can come visit and do tastings with them, uh, especially as they're reopening now. We're going to cut over and we're going to just check out some of the footage from us hanging out over at uh, Pelalanya. Uh, we went to Briar Creek, which is right down the road from us, and uh, Three Peas in a Vine. Yeah, just revisited Three Peas in a Vine on Sunday. Kind of made an afternoon outing with about uh, six other friends, and we had a we had a great time right here, right here in our backyard in East Texas. In November of 2019, we had the opportunity to visit Pelalenia, which is in Tyler, Texas. Here. We really got to enjoy some wine with some fellow Texas wine lovers. The Ascenza was absolutely delicious. I highly recommend that if you guys ever get a chance to go try uh, Pelalenia. Next, we tried Briar Creek. down and uh, trying the serendipity which is a very very good uh, wine that they make here and as you can see just a beautiful vineyard in january we had the opportunity to go to three peas in a vine as you can see very beautiful log cabin uh, tasting room The wines were absolutely spectacular.
Well, that was so fun, Ron, wasn't that? It was. I mean, uh, I, I think that it was really nice that they treated us so professionally and like we were family, really. You know, literally invited into some of their homes, literally, to do some tastings. Uh, and really uh, took the time to, to show us behind the scenes, something that they didn't normally, normally do probably for everybody, but very generous of them. We got wine and some love, and it was, it was amazing. Aside from finding great wines, Texas wines, uh, we've just found great people out in the, in this, in the Texas wine industry and, and so enjoy just going and spending time uh, with the people who, who make the wine and grow the grapes, uh, great visits. What are you finding in the United States as far as Texas wine is concerned uh, that is leaving a dent or an impact? Because I know you've traveled around, you've been to Napa before, you've been to multiple other states and tried some of their wines, but what sets us apart and what are we, some of the things that we're doing that, are, that sets us apart? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't go to, I've never gone to Napa to visit the small little boutique wineries. Um, I've, I really, really enjoy those here in Texas, not just East Texas. I think what's, what's kind of differentiating differentiating us now is there are some varietals of grapes out there that you know you, you go and say I never heard of that grape that do very very well in Texas we make great Merlots we make great Cabernets uh, we make great Syrahs but but you know have you tried a Tanat Texas Tanat um, have, have you uh, do you tried a good Montepulciano uh, mm. some of these varietals out there people maybe never heard of and uh, they yeah. do very very well in Texas and, and I think that's going to sort of separate us a little bit from being compared to Napa Valley. I mean, not to mention we have so much more land mass and, and different app, uh, 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 climates that produce some different quality grapes and different uh, soil profiles that really change up even, you know, our keeper salt cab to, let's say, a, a West Texas Cabernet is going to be significantly different in, in taste and, and uh, flavor. And, and, and speaking of big land masses, many, many times when we visit these small wineries in Texas, Sometimes finding them is the uh, tricky part, but, but oh, there are some beautiful country in Texas that you got to travel through to get to these wineries. So it's, it's just a great tr day trip or a weekend trip um, over and over again. I've done 119 just Texas wineries, and I've done it kind of all over the state, and probably the majority of them have not been where the concentration is the greatest down in uh, Fredericksburg, just because there's so many right here. Well, thank you again so much for joining me again on the podcast. Oh. I look forward to hearing more about your journey as you try to get more of the Texas wines, uh, wineries and uh, under your belts and try different wines. I think it's definitely exciting to be in your position, you know, as you get to try all these different places. You know, I think uh, in our last last podcast, you mentioned that you kind of transitioned from being a beer drinker into a wine drinker and that exactly. what, what kind of started you into this. And um I think that's a great avenue for a lot of people, you know. That, that. There's even another side to this that we've sort of gotten into, and that's if you go to the wine growing region in West Texas, in the, in the Texas High Plains around Terry County, Brownfield area, you get to see the vineyards. And I don't, I don't think people realize how many acres of grapes are grown uh, in Texas and, and in uh, Terry County. I, I think the percentage is like 56% of all uh, grapes grown in Texas are, are, are grown right there. And so wow. you'll see 300 acre vineyards. Wow when you go down there. So we've gotten to learn not only where the good wineries are, but where the beautiful vineyards are. What was the vineyard that you went to? It was Ready, right? Ready yeah, Vineyards. Ready, Ready yeah, vineyards. We, we visited Ready Vineyards. Uh, we visited eight wineries there. We were actually out on, on, on the, uh, the farm where Bingham's Vineyard is mm. and t t did a tasting right there on the farm in the barrel room. Hmm. I always say West, the, the Brownfield, uh, West Texas area is, a, is the best kept secret in the Texas wine industry because the, the relatively few people have gone there yet. And now, 
the first time we went three years ago, there were four wineries. Now there's like eight already. And so it just makes for a great visit and uh, no buses, tour buses and lines of people in the tasting rooms. Uh, and just some great, great winery owners and, and vineyard owners that, that uh, you get to meet and talk to and enjoy their wines. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Texas Wine Podcast. As we get more open wineries and, and less restrictions, uh, please support your local vineyard owners, your local winemakers, uh, because uh, they are in more need than ever uh, for your assistance. Uh, and why not enjoy wine as a result? I mean, it's a win-win, right? So anyways, you guys, thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. Uh, we will catch you guys next time.